This is a Chronicle podcast, bringing you ideas in the service of medicine. From the Chronicle podcast system, this is the NPC podcast of the National Pharmaceutical Congress for November 23, 2022. The NPC podcast is where we discuss and consider the purpose, process and people of the pharma industry, and today, we'll continue the healthcare conversation. This program is presented in cooperation with Imprez, Canada's next-generation commercial partner. The industry is rapidly evolving, and Imprez is designed to help you evolve with it. Learn more about Imprez tailored best-in-class solutions at www.imprez.com. Our guest today is Angelina Brathwaite. She is Senior Client Partner and Diversity, Inclusion and Belonging Leader for the Americas at Brunel. Angelina will join your hosts, Jim, Mark, and Mitch. And to start today's conversation, here's Mitch Shannon, CEO of Chronicle Companies. Welcome back to the NPC podcast from the National Pharmaceutical Congress. I'm your co-host, Mitch Shannon, coming to you from our historic podcast gondola overlooking all the action below. As always, we're with Mark McElwain, the pharmaceutical industry consultant and life sciences expert. Mark, did you know that it's now possible to listen to the NPC podcast anytime on your Amazon Echo or other Alexa-enabled device? Wow, Mitch, that was slick. No, I didn't know about Amazon but I do know it's on Spotify too. And you may have heard that some podcast platforms even allow you to leave polite reviews at the bottom. Manitoulin Bob. One of these days we will find out who Manitoulin Bob really is. Are we begging for feedback? Is that it? Mm. Occupying his usual corner, as you can hear here in the gondola, is James Shea, General Manager at the Council for Continuing Pharmaceutical Education in Montreal. Jim, did you know the NPC podcast was independently ranked this week as number 28 in the world on the list of the best pharmaceutical podcasts? If this was English football, we'd be somewhere near the bottom of the second division. Well, that is impressive. I knew that we were ranked, but I didn't know that we were ranked. But the idea of, yeah, comparison to the championship, that's pretty cool. I always wanted to be a a Queen's Park Ranger, but I would choose to play on horseback. I think that would really be cool. Queen's Park Ranger. Well, we're game and ready to go. We are your podcast hosts, known as Jim, Mark, and Mitch, because all the really creative brand names were already taken, such as Royal Enfield Motorcycles or Goldcrest, the 12-minute cigarette. Guys, let's welcome the Senior Client Partner and Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging Leader for the Americas at Brunel, Angelina Braithwaite. Come on in. Thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's great to see you. So can you tell us more about Brunel, the organization, and uh, the vision behind it? Yeah, so Brunel is a global staffing and recruitment agency. Our head office actually is in the Netherlands. And we work in different silos or verticals. So mining, engineering, renewables, as well as life sciences. And I run the life science practice in Canada out of the Toronto office. That's great. Angelina, it's Mark. I read that you're also a board member at Women Leaders in Pharma. So can you tell us more about this initiative? Yeah, so this was founded by Milva Duranko and several other women in the Montreal region. I went to one of their events during a snowstorm, and I just felt so ignited 
by the content. And the whole premise around women's leaders in pharma is that they believe that women are powerful and that we can be a, a catalyst for change. And so the organization was founded to empower each other, connect our ideas and inspire future leaders. So there's different programs that support women, such as mentoring and coaching. And there's certain dialogue that takes place just amongst women. It's not to exclude men, but it's just we have separate conversations. And so it's just a relatability situation. But it's really to ensure that we're getting a seat at the board and that we're helping each other elevate our game. And so all the support is there. So we're looking at, you know, people who are younger there in their career and people who are more mature in their career. And so, you know, you could classify that as reverse mentoring because we're all learning and supporting each other. Thanks. So let's go further on that. The pharma industry can be seen as still pretty much a male-dominated place. Could you tell us about some of the challenges you've had to face as a woman in a leadership position in this industry? I think one of the biggest challenge for me personally is I had to build my confidence. One of the biggest challenges I see when we speak with females in the industry is their confidence. You know, there's always going to be somebody who wants to take you off your game or dislike you for no apparent reason. But if you go in knowing this, if you're clear on your purpose and what you're trying to achieve, then you'll be successful at getting what you want. You also have to build up that suit of honor and speak up. It's not just enough to be in a position or to sit at the table. You must also speak confidently, regardless of the odds faced. Women, I feel fear being ostracized or rejected. However, respect comes when one voice is heard. And so that's one of the things that women leaders in pharma does is that it coaches leaders to find their voice and perspective because it can help shape policy and the workforce perspective. So case in point, when a lot of things was transpiring in 2020, I went to my company and I said, you know, we're silent on a lot of things here. And if you're silent, you're speaking volumes. And as a result of that, we now have a global diversity, inclusion and belonging strategy. So it's important that as women, that we speak up. And I think um, one of the other challenges, we have to build alliances with the decision makers. You know, there's times where women come to me personally and say, you know, I've been put down, I've been pushed aside, or, you know, I'm told I don't belong at the table. And it's not always easy to be bullied, but there's a way to get past it. And so as women, we have to build healthy relationships with our advocates and create a strong personal brand and establish guidelines before each project and position themselves as, as experts in the field and communicate with confidence would be my response. That's pretty powerful stuff. It's Jim Shea here. Now, with all your experience and your drive and your confidence, you're also the chair at the Rexdale Community Health Center. Can you tell us a little bit about your role in that organization? I was chair there, but that's going back a few years ago now. But the Rexdale Community Center 
is a place, if you're familiar with Toronto, when newcomers come to Canada, that's the biggest demographics of newcomers. And so you're dealing with things like social determinants of health and a lot of marginalized and racialized communities. And so they've established community health center to service individuals. They have physicians and nurses and staff that reflect the community, the demographics. And so they were successful with food programs because there was food insecurity. Typically, they help people navigate when it comes to employment. There was a program called Pathways to Education. And believe it or not, there's children who their parents might be new to Canada, but they were born in Canada and they've never even been downtown Toronto. And Rexdale is still in the city. And so what they did was they would introduce the children by bringing them to Ryerson and to UFT just to give them a visual and expand their mental horizons to let them know that there's bigger opportunities out in, in the world. And so, you know, Rexdale Community Center is very instrumental in just helping the community as a, as a whole. They have a big focus on diabetes education. And there's physicians there and they have cooperative and all these types of things to support those initiatives. My experience as a sales rep in Toronto, I had Rexel Etobicoke. And that's exactly what many of the doctors were saying. It's, it's a different type of demographic, the different outlook on seeking help and healthcare and various other things. And it was always a very difficult situation for family physicians to actually <laughs> be able to see some of these people. So uh, yeah, that's that's a great initiative. One of the cool things they did too was, believe it or not, at Woodbine, a lot of the jockeys and the staff, they never leave that environment. It's really strange to me how people just stay incubated. And so what they did was, and I credit Rexdale Community Health Center, is that they created these mobile units from a health perspective to make sure that they were seeing a physician. I did not know that. Wow. Super. I'm hearing the, the passion in your stories. When did your passion for advocacy all begin? Hmm, good question. I believe it's from a, a young age. It just was an innate quality that I just felt that, you know, everybody deserves a seat at the table, regardless of your sexuality or your gender, your race, your religion. I, I believe my parents had pass that down to me that, you know, everybody is significant and everybody's important. So why not support each other in the best way that you can? We're chatting with Angelina Brathwaite of Brunel North America on the NPC podcast. So just to continue the conversation about advocacy, Angelina, how would you say communities can better advocate for themselves? They need to take action. I could give you an example. There's an organization that's now called Advancing Black Talent in Pharma. And I went to a, it was actually a Women Leaders in Pharma event. And there was some women of color that I've never seen before, because we are a small demographic. And we all looked at each other without saying anything. And we said, I see you. And so we came together as a collective. And we decided that we wanted to empower people who look like us and who have shared the same history and the same experiences. 
So what can we do to move the needle? What can we do for that advocacy piece? And so collectively, so it's four women and now we have several men, we established a nonprofit. So we have lawyers, we have franchise heads of pharma, we've got somebody who's in reimbursement. And now um, we're also aligning ourselves with some student bodies at McGill and some other universities. And we said, okay, we want to find a solution. And so my response to you is to take action. Angelina, hi, it's Mark again. Okay, so here's a post-COVID pandemic question. How have you and your practice adapted to the new reality? Virtual work, virtual teams. Mm -hmm. It was difficult to navigate at first. But to be honest, for me personally, I've enjoyed it. And I'll tell you why. I work for a global organization. And before you just pick up the phone, but now through Teams and through Zoom, it's not 100% like being in person, but it's definitely close. And my interactions with my colleagues, my boss has been with more frequency. So I've appreciated it. I know it's it's contradictory to what some people say. They get very fatigued with Zoom and Teams and whatnot, but it brought us closer together, to be honest. Because I, I wouldn't have interacted with them at the same level had I not, had we been in the office. Well, it's Jim here, and let's take a completely different tangent. I'm the education guy, so I'm going to ask about your formal education. We're always learning all the time, but how has your formal education impacted the pathway of you, that you've taken in your career? Well, formal education, I believe, provides a platform for the critical thinking, the problem solving taking constructive criticism, you're learning about time management, your communication skills as a student, you had to write a lot. And so the pieces of life skills, I would say, that education lent itself more to what we're doing today. I'm going to take this out and make sure that my kids listen to this because it's exactly what I keep telling my kids. You've got a long way to go. It's just think about all the, the activities that you're doing in school right now. That's exactly what employers want. And that's what you're going to be doing. And that's what I do every day. So it's nice to hear somebody who will help my children. Yeah. I mean, you have to wake up. You have to be disciplined. You have to wake up at a certain time. You have to submit your papers or your, your project in at a certain time. So you have to learn how to, if you attend school away from home, you have to budget. There's a money management piece. So there's a lot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, you've already talked about a little bit of the high tech with the virtual meetings being positive for you and being able to increase the frequency in which you communicate with people. Are there any other areas where high tech has positioned itself in, in your area of uh, business? Yeah, for sure. We use this tool. And I'm sure it's popular in many other companies called Power BI. So we're really able to be exact and succinct with meeting our KPI objectives. And if we're not meeting our KPI objectives, how can we? The same holds true with, you know, diversity, inclusion, and belonging. You need those metrics, those measurements. So technology, surveys, things like that has really empowered us to perform better. 
I remember when I started in this industry and I tell the kids on my team, I shouldn't call them kids or adults, but there was no LinkedIn. I had to hustle. I had to get on the phone. I had to roost to find individuals, especially back in the day when we were sourcing for clinical research associates. The structure was quite different because they were not regional. They were traveling everywhere around the world, if you remember. And so we had to roost and use the phone at night. We had to, you know, be really nice to the gatekeepers. So technology has really evolved, not only in the last 20, 30 years, but in the last five minutes. As soon as we get off this phone, there's something else that's happening, right? Angelina, you spoke at this year's National Pharmaceutical Congress, and your talk sparked a lot of interest. Could you tell us about your planning for it, what went into it? Yeah, sure. So originally, I was there as, so Jennifer Muldrum, who was instrumental in planning the um, National Pharma Congress, she's also the executive lead for Women's Leaders in Pharma, and we had a booth. And then she said, Angelina, since you have that diversity lens, would you like to speak at this event? I said, I'd love to. It's kind of crunch time because I was traveling, but it was my pleasure. And so I just sat down with Mitch and with Jennifer and I said, so what do you think we need? Who are the other panel members? And so just tried to integrate my conversation about diversity and what are some of the great things that my organization is doing to ensure that those equitable practices are are being addressed. So we talked about our strategy and there was Dr. K, who was the chief of medicine in Ottawa. He was present and some other great um, panelists. So it was a really good event and I really enjoyed it. Angelina, I'm glad you mentioned LinkedIn because I see there that you're also a volunteer in marketing and promotions for DeWitt's Boxing Studio. So tell us about that. What does boxing bring to your life? (laughs) So my father was a huge fan of boxing and I was a kickboxer and I actually met my husband at the boxing gym because he's a former national champion for Canada five times. So he had the opportunity to travel the world. And with Fraser, who owns this boxing gym, he's been uh, an Olympic coach several times. And so I just, because I'm passionate about the sport, I just said to him that I would love to volunteer and just help him from that lens, from a marketing and promotion lens. So that's how I got into it. Well, I recall as a rep, and Rexdale Etobicoke in the uh, late 80s, early 90s, there were some pretty famous boxers coming out of that part of the woods. So uh, every time I went into a pharmacy, I was en- ended up talking about boxing. It was quite amazing. <laughs> so there you go. I understand where you're coming from, from that one. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to wind down now. We're turning our volume knob from 11 down to three, maybe over this time. And we're going to play a word association game. So just go ahead and say anything that first comes to your mind in response to any of the following words or phrases. Social impact. Change. Health promotion. Meditation. Community social support. 
Volunteer. Female Empowerment. WLP. Rexdale Community Health Center. Saviors. Boxing. Strategic. Oh, very good. Uh, what you don't know is that we're actually giving you, awarding you points for that. So I would just say an, an infinite amount of points, gentlemen. Does that, that make sense? I think so. Oh, you never give the infinite amount. I'd say infinite minus. Always aim higher. Okay, very good. Very good. Okay. It was a knockout. Okay, so finally, it's time to put on your soothsayer's hat and enter our prognostication corner. So what bold predictions would you make about the life sciences industry during the next, let's say, 12 or 24 months? From a talent perspective, I think companies will have a mixed bag of remote, on-site, and hybrid work. So that's going to continue. I believe different generation is coming into leadership and a new generation will start working. And so there's going to be significant change. I know that the new generation are focused on social and corporate responsibilities. So I think that's a good thing. I believe there's going to be more attention to personalized medicine so we can treat patients better. I think, I'm not sure you're going to like this, Jim, but I think <laughs> companies are going to focus on skill sets. They're going to lean more on skill sets than they are on education. And I think there's going to be a huge emphasis on diversity, inclusion, and belonging. Oh, no, I love it. I love the idea of skill sets because, um, you know, without the knowledge, without the ability to communicate and have those soft skills and even the hard skills, you know, it's a zero. So I appreciate that comment, in fact. Yeah, like you really need that emotional intelligence, right? Like you could teach all these technical skills, but if you don't have the emotional investment, and you're not going to be so successful. In fact, I'm somebody who is a proponent of getting away from the pure science people to getting into people who are more improvisational, you know, the, the people that are able to really truly listen to what's going on with the customer. Because if you're doing improv and you're not listening to your partner, you're lost on stage. Well, it's the same type of thing with interacting anybody, any agent of an organization interacting with any customer. Is it's all about listening and really understanding what's going on there. So uh, I, I appreciate all of that. Thanks. Well, Angelina, thanks for strapping on the gloves and going a few rounds, showing us Palookas, how it's done. A pleasure to spar with you. Well, it's certainly a pleasure to get into the ring. She's so good at it that she didn't even injure us. That's the beauty. <laughs> well, at least you, you don't know if you've been injured until you uh, get into the shower, I guess. But to our listeners, thanks for joining us. We will speak to you again soon. If you've got questions for Angelina, send an email to health at chronicle.org. We invite your comments about today's conversation. Attach your question as a voice clip and become part of a future episode. If you enjoyed today's NPC podcast, please like it, rate it, recommend it, and do make a point of sharing it with your colleagues. Find us wherever you get your podcasts, or just ask your smart device to play the National Pharmaceutical Congress podcast on Audible, or TuneIn Radio. The NPC podcast is presented in cooperation with Imprez, Canada's next-generation commercial partner. Check them out at www.imprez.com. 
This is your announcer, Leona Void, speaking. This podcast was produced by Jeremy Visser. Research for this program came from Cristela Tello Ruiz. The musical theme is performed with fierce concentration by the NPC Podcast Orchestra, under the skilled direction of maestro Karel Melbrook. We'll speak again soon.